So if you haven't already heard, been on our social or been to westernhuntingsummit.com, our Western Hunting Summits 2020 are coming up here faster than <laughs> faster than we think. Yeah, they're going to get here quick. Yeah, May and June. Yep. We have a bear summit in May. Yep, end of May. And we have an elk summit and a mule deer summit, both in June. Now, you can attend one of those summits. You can attend two. You can attend all three if you want. There's ways to do that. But we're pretty close to sold out um, for the elk summit. Mule elk deer's is, getting there. Yeah, elk is there. Um, there's a few spots left for mule deer, and there's a handful of spots left for bear. Yeah. And that's kind of how we figured it would go. Yeah. So... Yeah. We have some amazing speakers coming. Uh, we've got, obviously, Randy Newberg again, which is really exciting for us. Uh, we have speakers from last year coming back. That Brian like, Barney is going to be Brian there Barney. again. He's, a, he's there for all three summits mm -hmm. this year, which is great. He's Mark Livesey, Mark Livesey with Treeline Pursuits on digital scouting was our number one most liked speaker. He And we did a survey. In the survey, his information was what everybody asked for more of. It was of. off the charts. And yep. we didn't even, I, he, we gave him a ton of time. Yep. He could have went another three hours. Yeah. He had so much good intel. So So he'll be at the Elk Summit this year. His his llamas will be there as well again this year on that VIP for the, hike. For the Elk Adventure. Yeah. Yep. So we want to invite you to go to westernhuntingsummit.com. If you, have, if you have the four days available or the three days for bear, you can do the VIP events. Mule deer is still open. There's a waiting list for elk, and obviously bear is still open. We have tickets for both elk and deer for Weekend Warrior, which means if you can't do the full four days, you can come for the weekend. You can get the education. You can be part of the workouts. Um, this year on Saturday night, we are adding a celebrity chef cook-offs on the Saturday nights, which we didn't have last year. We'll be announcing um, people that'll be cooking at mm -hmm. these events, which is going to be really fun. Um, if you are attending the Western Hunting Summit and you have a spouse or you have somebody you want to bring to that, you can get tickets for them to come to that. But this will all be included in that. The VIP, I'm not even going to go into that, all the things that are going to be involved with the VIP, but you can go to the website, read all about it. I thought it would be kind of fun just to read a quick testimonial from somebody we had there last year. What yeah, do you think? Sure. He says, Ryan and Hillary, I wanted to send you a note to express my sincere thanks to you for putting on the Western Hunting Summit. It was fantastic. It has been approximately two weeks since the summit, and I am still smiling. It was such a pleasure and blessing to meet everyone and to get to be part of the event. All aspects of the summit were outstanding. Your choice of speakers, events, and location can have not been better. I was sincerely humbled to have the opportunity to talk hunting and gear one-on-one -on -one with Ryan, hike to the type of the peak and glass for critters with Brian Barney, talk archery during the hike with Corey Miller, have great conversations with Hillary, Cody, Rich, and Mark Livesey, and get great workouts with the Mountain Tough Fitness Lab guys. Even as an already somewhat successful backcountry hunter, I left the summit with a ton of gained knowledge and a tremendous appreciation for the opportunity to attend. If anyone would have ever told me that someday I would be backpacking, camping on a beautiful mountain ridge and glassing critters alongside Ryan Lampers while drinking my morning coffee, I would have told them they were absolutely crazy. Thankfully, you guys made that awesome dream a reality, and I couldn't be more grateful. 
I understand that the summit probably was not intended originally to have repeat attendees, but I would not hesitate to attend again next year if the opportunity was possible. In closing, I hope I have expressed my appreciation for the time and energy you put into the summit. As an attendee, it was an outstanding experience. I greatly value the knowledge I gained, the friends I made, and the time I got to share with like-minded and deeply passionate backcountry hunters. Sincerely, Tom Keen. Wow. It's pretty good, right? Couldn't have written yeah. anything better myself. <laughs> he is coming back this year. And which is which is super cool. And, you know, we've already had our pre-launch and we've got eight or nine, ten guys that have re-signed just from the yep. summit from last year. And so we're pretty blown away by that. Yeah. So we are really excited to share this information. Ryan has worked super hard at putting together some incredible speaker lists. Whichever summit you attend, you're not going to be disappointed. Oh, and let's not forget, Remy Warren is going to be there for the Mule Deer Summit. Yep, so. Remy's going to be there. we got Travis Nowatney's coming, um, Dione. We've got some great, great speakers at every mm -hmm. one of them, so it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Okay, so um, make sure to go, go check that out. Get your tickets now because it will sell out. Now, oh, and let's not forget. We also do have a scholarship. That's right. Provided by Graxaw this year. Uh, Graxaw makes game bags. I've been using, um, it's just a real small company, but uh, Manny makes some great game bags and I've been using them for the last couple of seasons. Really good. He wanted to buy a spot for somebody um, mm -hmm. to be able to attend the Bear Summit. So if you go to the, the website, you'll be able to get on there and go to where it says Western Hunting Summit Scholarship and fill out an entry form. It's just a short essay as to why you think you deserve it. And we will be um, looking through those. And actually the people who have signed up for the summits will be voting on who they feel should be deserving of the, the spot to uh, come to the Bear Summit. All right, let's do this. <laughs> How do you feel about people asking you about your hunting spots? How do I feel about it? Mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of learned to just ignore it, try to be polite. Um, I do find myself just not answering those questions. So I, I get a, um, sure a lot of people do, lots of folks out there get the where, you know, if you ever are successful on a trip or something like that, you get this where, where were you? Where? What state you in? What unit you hunting? What side of the state? Um, what creek? What drainage? It gets pretty specific sometimes. Some of them are like they get angry if you actually don't answer their questions. Like, well, I was just asking what unit, you know, when they get all pissy, and that's just a little ridiculous. I, I hate, I hate talking about where when it comes to hunting. It's always bugged me. I think. Uh, my idea on it is people should find their own spots. People should work um, and learn the how to versus the where to. And I don't know. That's just how I think about it. Because a, a lot of us, you know, growing up, we went out and found our own spots. It's just through hard work and you go out and you earn it. And earning it means you put in the days, you do the scouting that involves some map work ahead of time or some digital, you know, e-scouting. And then 
going out and checking spots off that don't work out and finding a nugget out of maybe one out of 10 areas you go look at. It's just a part of the process. It bugs me when young guys want a shortcut. It bugs the crud out of me. And I have examples of young guys that I've helped out in the past and taken them to spots that I just wanted to kind of, you know, show them firsthand, like this is kind of what we look for. And then you have to make that thing where you're like, but you can't come back here, right? If I take you here, I'm going to teach you some things, but you can't come back here. Where it gets, where friendships die a lot because those people tend to not honor that sometimes. And they go back to that spot. And that's lousy, lousy, lousy. So um, I uh, even some of my you know closest younger friends that are always like, well, where, where should I go? What mountain, blah, blah, blah. I just would rather not give them an area at all and tell them what to look for, not where to look. So it's annoying. And now I think with the questions in social, if I ever see where, I don't even, I just pass on it. Mm. Um, Whether it's, you know, in a YouTube video or whatever, I just don't even answer them because it's, it's just it bugs me i don't even like people asking what state it, it it's obvious most times what state it is but it shouldn't matter there's great mm-hmm. hunting in every western state we have mm-hmm. washington had great hunting oregon has some great hunting um you pick a state there's going to be nuggets in every one so it shouldn't matter where but what i think is more important is people realize these spots yeah, they're not easy to find sometimes, but when you do find one, the reason why you don't want to give it away is because it took you all the legwork to find it. Right. And it's important, you know, because you put in that time. Nobody should get a, a handout or a free pass to just go into a great hunting area. Uh, I don't feel like you earned it. So, yeah, it's annoying. It's, it bugs me, and yet it probably is one of the most common questions i could scroll through my message request right now on the old gram and i do it on occasion Mm -hmm. with you i i highlight i'm like well let's read the next 10 and eight of 10 of them are going to be so where um i'm in this state or i'm in washington um do you have a specific mountain or creek or I, i get it all the time and it just, it's laughable at a certain point. Because <laughs> it's well, just cr- To it's me, just it so says weird. that people are just, you know, they see your success and well, they, people want, and the they easy, want success. They want the easy way. They, they don't, don't realize do the how legwork. many years you've worked to get that. Yeah, but it it's not doing them any, it's not, it's not going to do them any favors, especially once they start hunting out of state. Nobody's giving them, a, you know, a pinpoint on a map if they're going to a new spot new state and i think uh part of um maturing as a hunter is you have to figure out how to read and break down a new area like all right i'm gonna go look at blah blah range in montana well if you if if you don't figure out how to go find spots yourself 
um, you're going to be one of those guys that goes to the same spot every year, back and forth, you know, every year going back to that same old hunting spot. And sure, that's fine that some people want to do it that way, but you're not growing, you're not learning new things, you're not seeing new country and figuring out animal behavior as well. And, you know, there's just a lot to learn when you are constantly looking at new areas and scouting. And I think one of the biggest things is, and I use the phrase all the time, but checking spots off the map, that's just a big part of it. Um, it's not going out and immediately finding a honey hole, but it's going out and yeah, it drives people crazy. Cause you, this one doesn't work. This one didn't work. This one looks like there's a lot of folks that have camped here. You just check spots off. And sometimes, um, after eight or nine of those, you find a real good one, but it's just, it's just part of it. I think you, everybody, even the younger guys, the younger guys, especially they, have the time generally more so than than you know we do those late teens guys early 20s typically have a lot more time to get out and uh, put the work in and find these places so um, don't don't ask where it's it's usually not going to be answered and if it does get answered it's <laughs> probably not true mm. <laughs> there you go folks yeah i asked this question not because anybody asked this question but because i have to hear this all the time <laughs> about people asking i'll when be they across the living room like oh look, three more where questions yeah this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The next one is was kind of like uh, on New Zealand and the steps for getting into New Zealand for hunting. And then how did you get your skulls and your capes and your meat out of New Zealand. Okay, so the steps for getting into New Zealand? Yeah. It's it's pretty turnkey, really. Um you know, you go over there and if you're an archery guy, now there's there's definitely specific steps if you're going to now bring a rifle into New Zealand. Um those are those are definitely have, have changed. But um I just brought a bow over 
Um, Brian brought a rifle last time and yeah, you have to fill out some papers. You have to set things up ahead of time. <laughs> and why did you, Brian have the rifle and not you? Because my passport had expired and I did this like expedited passport thing mm -hmm. to try to get, cause when you fill out the paperwork, you have to, you have to have your passport right, worked number. into the pa paperwork and. Um, it just took too long to get my, my passport to me in that time frame. So I was not able to have my numbers to get the paperwork in <laughs> to bring my rifle over there. And yeah, and you barely got your passport on top of it. Yeah. I got it like a week ahead of time. Yeah. You expedited it and they did not expedite it. <laughs> and then you were like, where's my passport? And luckily they got it to you in time. Yeah. See what I'm saying, folks? It's like the timing. Sometimes Ryan and his timing. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Well, we waited. You waited too long to get your passport. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were dragging your feet. I remember you were like, so what paperwork do I need to fill out? Well, it's no, like... it wasn't that. It was, um, I think, for the longest time, I didn't know my passport was up. Like, it had just run out. Mm. And, and then... Yeah, like, you know, a couple months ahead. I'm like, oh, a few, maybe two and a half months ahead. Um, I didn't know it would take much more than that amount of time, which is why I expedited well, it. Well, I did mine expedited. I told you to do that. You're I got like, mine in four days. That's why. I was like, oh, because you were actually four telling days. me, oh, don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, I got mine in four days. And I still had, like, you know, a lot of weeks. But... Something happened, and then I had to recall, and they said, oh, yeah, for some reason. But then they expedited it. So you couldn't and I take, got do it. the so rifle because you did not have the I couldn't bring my rifle over. I didn't have the paperwork filled out. I didn't have the ability to fill it out. But it's not. It's really not a difficult process. And once you get there, um, you know, if you're a bow hunter, it's easy. There's nothing uh, specific. But, um, you know, there's no hunting license. So... Um, uh, it's, it's, it's just not like here in the States where you have a hunting license, you have a hunting tag for each species, different States or different licenses. Um, over there, it was, it was pretty simple. Um, there was a, you get on the DOC website when you get there and you figure out, um, there's one little thing that you have to sign uh, a little like affidavit type thing, but that was about it. Um, Real, really easy. Very simple. It's when the licenses and the permits get involved that it gets difficult here. Yeah. But uh, I was I was pretty surprised how easy it was to go over there and um, their their Department of Conservation I think is what it is the DOC they they're really good about like giving you all kinds of information on maps, uh, public land maps, access is where to park. Um, all those type things. And so it's just, it just made it simple. So you can just kind of look and see a map where you need to go drive, park, hike in. It shows every single hut. If you were going to stay at a hut, um, there's huts that you can rent. There's huts that are free and it's pretty good information and they're very thorough. So that was, that was a big bonus, but, um, yeah. A lot of public land over there. It's it's a great place to go. And, and what surprised me and what always 
I always felt like would be the the biggest reason I never go is it. I just always just seemed to be really expensive. Like New Zealand's got to be way out there, right? It's not. You can go it for about three thousand bucks or something like that, and go over there and hunt tar and chamois and fallow and um, you know you name it. There's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, your airfare is your biggest killer. It's fourteen hundred is what it was for me. Mm-hmm. You know you got to rent a car. Um, hopefully you're actually your your airfare. If we'd bought it in time, I got a ticket. At, what was it like nine hundred or something? No, it was fourteen hundred. Okay. Yeah, so it was fourteen hundred for a yeah. um, airline ticket over there, and that's pretty standard. Fourteen, fifteen hundred for that, and then um, yeah, your rental vehicle, whatever you decide to go with, and then if you can avoid like the motels, um, those type things, that's where <laughs> the cost gets jacked up. Now, obviously, there's helicopters are kind of like. Um, Man, they're like drop camps here with horses. They use helicopters. Here we use horses. So most of those chopper rides, gosh, they'll cost you U.S. dollars, like, I don't know, 700 to $1,000. So they're pretty expensive. Um, but similar to a drop camp um, here in the States. Again, so, and it does bring you to just some areas that, you're so far away and quite honestly when you start doing the math to drive to some of these places because you can drive riverbeds when you get there but most places will recommend that you rent two vehicles because if one breaks down um you know that gets spendy so are you saving by renting a vehicle and driving up there yourself probably not Mm. So a helicopter ride is is the quickest. It saves you a crud ton of time. I mean, you may shave, you know, a few days off travel just by hopping in that chopper and having it drop you um, at a hut somewhere way back in there. And You know, you're not up there looking for animals or anything like that. They're just dropping you in a spot that um, is a known tar area or whatever. So it was really cool. And then... Um, yeah, so that's kind of your expense. It's just not that costly for a trip like that. That just feels like you know it should cost twelve, fifteen grand or something like that. It just doesn't. How did you get your heads back in in your capes? Um. So I uh, what we did, we froze everything up. We cut everything up, froze it, bagged it, wrapped it. Um, initially it was like a gallon size Ziploc flattened out and then we would freeze those within another, um, garbage bag. And we put those in a, a Yeti Panga and found someone who had a freezer who would let us borrow it and froze it up solid. And you try to keep them the weight to under 50 pounds because you're going to be checking that as baggage coming back. Hmm. And uh, I think it was 50, right in that range, 50, 55, something like that. And, yeah, if you keep it under that and you freeze it up, you know, that's that's kind of what I checked as baggage coming back was uh, a couple big bags of meat that were just filled to the brim and frozen. And within those bags also were the hides, which, 
not nearly the weight. The tar definitely heavier than the chamois, but um, we just rolled those up tight. Um, saran wrap and then a uh, garbage bag on top of that and duct taped it. Looked like a, you know, in the movies when you see like drug traffickers running these <laughs> kilos of or whatever it is of coke. Yeah. Looked like that. It was just this big bundle of duct tape saran wrap. But um, yeah, so we uh, we just shipped all that as luggage and or as baggage and paid the, the fee for that. And then um, the actual skulls themselves spent a lot of time over there cooking them you know, cleaning them as best I possibly could, going down to the local market, buying some hair dye and bleaching them out, making them look sharp and uh, drying them out with a hairdryer. Motel. They got a motel <laughs> once at the uh... end there to be able to do all that. And, um, yeah, made them look nice and clean and saran wrapped them, duct taped them. And uh, I carried those on in my baggage coming back. That was my carry-on. So I had like four skulls in my bag coming home. Wow. And that was it. They didn't care at all. Customs, no big deal. Huh. So. Yeah. Well, if you're willing to work for it, then no problem. It was a lot of hours, like, <laughs> cleaning those skulls and bleaching them and getting everything cut and wrapped. But well worth it. Wow. Didn't, didn't want to uh, leave that stuff there for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, you have a new skull boiler in the garage. I do. Yeah, so um, it's like it's a local local company, another little startup here in Bozeman called Bridger Boiler. And uh, it's kind of this self-contained little skull boiler. It has within it um, just a little propane cylinder that you fill up, and then it's got uh, anything and everything you need just to boil a skull. And why I have it is now with CWD and a lot of the restrictions as far as taking skulls across mm-hmm. state lines and yep. whatnot, you, um, you're better off just to do it on the spot, clean it on the spot. So, um, you know, instead of having to take it to a pressure washer and try to do what you can, it, this little Bridger boiler, it's handy. It just fits in the back of the trucks, this little thing fits your skull on it. It keeps the actual antler out and it keeps the skull in the water and just this perfect, nice little stainless self-contained, uh, um, unit that they have. And I think it's genius. The guy that, uh, created it because especially with where we're at with CWD and, and all those, those new guidelines, um, I'm just gonna like down in Arizona, I'll just, I just do it on the spot, you know, Cutting up your meat before you come back. Just uh, boil that skull out and clean it out. And then bring it back nice and clean. Hmm. So Yeah, it's, it's handy. It looks, looks slick. Yeah, Bridger uh, Boilers. Yeah, check those guys out. Okay, um, how do you store veggies from the summer over the winter? Oh, man. Gardening question. All right. Gardening. Well, several ways. Um so obviously you can make stews, you can make soups, uh, cook those down and then you can can a lot of your soups and stews and get veggies that way. One of the things we got into doing a lot because of the ridiculous amounts of kale that I used to grow was we powdered them. 
obviously you're not getting a veggie you can use later or uh, you know a green you can use later but um, powdering them is a way to get a lot of the nutrients out and use them mm -hmm. in a variety of different ways later and then um, also what a lot of people do is you know you blanch the greens so you you know cook them down just to just a scotch and then um, take that add a little bit of water put them in backpack bags seal them up and uh, get all the air out that'll last in your freezer for a very long time especially if it's in water but keep them thin and they're easy to easy to quick thaw blanching is is definitely a good way to go but it is just a pain there's so many steps to it um, especially if you have large quantities so i i just like cooking everything down and and making it into soups or you know sauces and using it that way and then canning it up yeah i think also dehydrating like you said powders or just even making backcountry food you know that's gonna stay yeah. a lot longer if you take a couple days and run the dehydrator um nonstop, kale greens bok choy spinach that stuff dehydrates charred um you know collards it dehydrates so fast that then you just crumble it with your hands and you get this mass amount and then you powder it up and you fill up mason jars quart jars pretty quick and that stuff lasts you a long time so it's a good way to do it. it's kind of cool it's kind of fun i hate blanching stuff and using running the backpacker with liquids and all that it's just it works great and if you like greens later heating them up like spinach and whatnot it's a good way to go but yeah so you can check out our we still have our stealthy dehydration and canning guide on our website at huntandharvesthealth.com and that goes if you don't know how to can you don't know how to dehydrate we got the steps in there we've also got foods in there we've got recipes in there we've got medicinal effects of things we've got lots of pictures from our washington garden you can go get that for i don't know it's 10 bucks or something on our website it's a digital copy um yep so that has a lot of kind of how to yep. that ryan did we did a few years ago um all right let's see what else do i have here for you i think that's all the questions good because i'm tired <laughs> Do you know how hard, folks, Gosh, it was like, for me to get him on this podcast? It? it was like Almost literally weeks of me telling him. Um, so he did it. Now he's off and he's going to have his list and let's hope that it gets done. Um, <laughs> no. But uh, Arizona Coos. Yeah. Cool. All right, babe. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, the hike was outstanding as we, we've looked at different glassing areas and, and different places where, especially where Brian and uh, Ryan would look for deer and elk, and that was that was incredibly helpful. It's a, it absolutely priceless. We don't have time to go through everything that I've got from it, but um, yeah, obviously knowing the mental, the physical, um, what these guys do all the time is pretty impressive. Um, hats off to, to Ryan Lampers, he, he stayed back and uh, 
I waited for, for people like me that couldn't keep up. Um, so yeah, that's that shows a lot of, of his character. And um, yeah, just being able to talk with a guy like that, it's a humbling experience, man, it really is. I learned, learned a ton just watching him, you know, just watching him walk with trekking poles, stuff that I don't know how to do. Um, yeah, the things I got out of there are just priceless, man. I'm gonna do it all over again today. So. The VIP uh, hike for me was awesome. I mean, just the opportunity, uh, you know, I was telling Ryan that, I mean, just the opportunity, if you ever would have told me that I'd be, you know, sitting on top of, uh, you know, a rock pinnacle with Brian Barney, uh, you know, glassing grizzly bears and mountain goats and elk, you know, with him right next to me, you know, I, uh, you know, I never would have believed it. I think Mark was probably my favorite. Um, I, I, I probably took the most amount of notes off of his information, probably just because his 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 talk on uh, e-scouting was you know very technical and, and a lot of information to just you can't really absorb it all, all at once. So it was just taking it in as much as I could. Mark's presentation today, I mean that was just giant wealth of knowledge. For the backcountry hunter, Brian Barney definitely put on a great presentation and it was very motivating and you can see that he's just a, he's just an average guy like anyone else but he just works very hard and um, that was very inspiring. I'm learning just as much in between each people, each person's talk than I am you know during the talk itself. A lot of stuff I you know I have picked up on the e-scouting I seem to kind of hold my own uh, pretty good on the e-scouting part, but mm -hmm. there was there was a lot of little nuggets. There was a lot of things that uh, that I didn't see coming, but I wanted to see how everything was structured, how everybody uh, how everybody's speech is. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that uh, you could probably double the time that everybody had, and we'd all still be glued to them. Think you'd come back next year? Oh, 100 percent. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I will be back next year.